University's talk show, Taking Old School Viral. I'm your host, Manda O'Fox Gillespie. It's embarrassing, all the stupid things I can think of to think about. Is there anything that could really bring my mind back to myself? Hello, neighbor, and welcome to Folk U Radio, where we ask our neighbors, what do you know? Folk University is an experiment in neighborliness, in slow learning, in using our interests, our skills, our beliefs as a way of connecting and bringing each other closer in community. Today, we are talking about the Cortez Island Academy, which is School District 72. Uh, that's the Campbell River area. High schools programming being offered on Cortez Island in partnership with, of course, the school district and the Cortez Island Community Foundation and Folk University. Because, hey, we all need more opportunities to go around saying, Folk you. Joining us will be school representatives, neighbor facilitators, they'll be leading some of the courses, and I hope you will call in with your questions, comments, thoughts, etc. as well. That number is 250-935-0200. Write it down so you can call in later. Where are you listening from today, neighbor? Who are the people that have walked and cared for the land, the water, and the air where you live, work, and play? Cortez Community Radio sits on the ancestral and territorial lands of the Klahus, Klaaman, and Hamako peoples. I'd like to thank this land, the people who have walked this land through time, and all those that continue to love and work to honor this place we call home. Jeff Lonteo is the District Coordinator of Student Options and Opportunities. Welcome to Folk U Radio, Jeff. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today, but not just that, because without you, none of this, none of this would be able to happen. So thank you for your time, your vision, your energy for all of it. I really appreciate it. It's been an awesome journey so far, Amanda. And um, yeah, it's been very gratifying to try to help, really, the, the people of Cortez, the teenagers of Cortez, and really our, our school district and our region. So this will be good. <laughs> I, I I feel like Jeff and I, when we get together, we are two of the most enthusiastic <laughs> people. So, um, so I hope we are not overwhelmingly enthusiastic today. Um, so I want to um, start by talking about this title. You are the district coordinator of student options and opportunities. Uh, what does that mean? <laughs> um, when when I first got the job, um, this was a couple of years ago, and in my previous uh, career path, I guess um, I was the district coordinator for for work experience um, and really a career facilitator for the district, um, based out of Cary High Secondary, 
And when this title was put in front of me, I felt like with my business card, I had to put the rest of the title on the back of the business card simply because it was such a long title. But um, it really, it the, the bottom line is is that uh, the the kinds of things that I did uh, in my career really led up to literally options and opportunities for students, um, whether it was work experience or whether it was trying to figure out um, different credits um, for for students. Um, really try to figure out how the school the school can fit into um, the student rather than the student fitting into the school. So so that was a lot of problem solving. And when, when you try to problem solve, it really does go into what kinds of opportunities um, we can offer the kids um, and what kind of options then can we provide the, the students. So the, the title is fitting, but I kind of um, say it with a smirk because it is such a long title. Um, and I like to simplify things and, and I just... Sometimes I just go, you know what, I'm, I'm a career counselor, I'm a career facilitator, um, I work for the school district, and let's try to figure out how we can get your student to uh, smile at the end of the day. I, I, I love the title. I don't care that it's uh, <laughs> the world's longest title. Um, to me, I think back about my, to my own high school experience, and I just think, oh, yeah, if that was the frame that we had put on it, the idea that you're just there, you're there to, to, to broker opportunities, right, and to make sure that, that we have youth who are fully prepared to take on those opportunities that are available to them. Oh, I just love it. Um, and it, it feels really fitting for this program. I want to read, um, you know, the sort of three-liner that we've come up with as the, just the basic what is Cortez Island Academy. Um, so next year, Cortez will host a pilot program brand new to School District 72, the Cortez Island Academy. CIA. This was Jeff's innovation people, CIA. And of course, someone who likes being able to run around and call their uh, people's university folk you um, really liked the idea (laughs) of a CIA. (laughs) So uh, the CIA pilot program will begin with a school year in September of 2022 and end with a term in late January of 2023. The CIA will offer two quarters, each 10 weeks long, of immersive, experiential, project-based learning on Cortez Island in its first year, with the intention of continuing with unique annual offerings. So this is pretty out of the box, and your title is pretty out of the box. I'm wondering what other programs you have you know, that Campbell River offers that you have been involved with creating in other places. What are some of the other out-of-the-box things that are happening in Campbell River these days? Good question. Um, there are a lot, actually. It's, it's, it's pretty, pretty cool um, for students to really take advantage of um, these different options and opportunities. Um, uh, for example, uh, Teen Flight. We have a Teen Flight program. That which involves um, a group of mentors, and it really we're in partnership with Sealand Aviation, and uh, Sealand Aviation has created this this opportunity for students where um, they would buy a kit plane, and it's just not a model airplane that you get in a box, but it's actually a a, a, a plane. Um, it's a two seater plane, 
and they have mentors that works with students that will work with students. And uh, it's starting. I just I just received an email that it's going to start March thirtieth um, with an inf- information session, and they're going to to have um, spots for fifteen students. And st- the students are going to work with the mentors to build this airplane. So to put things together, to put the engine together, to put the electricals together, um, and and they're going to paint it and make sure that it runs and and test pilot it um wait a real plane a real plane okay i'm sorry now all of a sudden i feel like yeah. our risky out of the box thing <laughs> is not actually that risky and out of the box oh my god and this th- this is the crazy part we are the only um school district and this is the only program in canada um and there's another one i believe in australia and there's another one in the states um but we're one of three in the world that does this kind of stuff. And first and foremost, though, the kids will go through ground school, which is the uh, your basic certificate that you need if you want to work at an airport. So, so students can then, then um, transition from this program to being a pilot, being just you name the career path in, in the aerospace or avionics, then this is the beginning part, and it'll just open their eyes to, to that. So that's that's fantastic that we have we have that and we okay we so this is happening ne- okay don't sign up kids on Cortez for this until you've done the CIA <laughs> first but then you can sign up for that so um, is it running is it going to start in 2022 2023 yes it's it'll start March 30th and the students oh my gosh it's starting now in, yes in in three weeks it'll start so. Um, so the students will meet um, one, twice a week, um, once in the evening. For example, I think it's going to, this time, we'll go Thursday evening for two or three hours, and then again once on the weekend for two or three hours. And they're going to uh, continue to do that throughout the year. Um, this plane will probably take about two years to assemble. And then so every other, every other year, they buy a kit, and then they sell, they sell the plane afterwards. And that's how they get their their money to buy the next plane. So it's fantastic. It's a great program. And um, will it be sort of like the Cortez Island Academy where there's um, facilitators who are helping do the education um, that are professionals uh, in the field, not um, normally teachers? Correct. Correct. These mentors... um, these mentors will, it's volunteer, so these mentors will then um, work with these students. Um, you would have, last time I was there, we had, I believe, five mentors working with the students. So the mentors um, sometimes come and go as, you know, because it's volunteer, but for the most part, you have your, your set mentors and, and they go through um, building this plane with, with the students. Wow, that's so cool. Um, so, so that's just one thing. I think. That's, what else? Yeah, that's that's one thing. We I know that uh, you know we have a we have a drive program, which uh, drive um, basically is a program where you you take video productions and English and you put it together, and it's our drive program. And we have a partnership with Shaw TV, um, and so we get to use Shaw, the students get to use, and the program will get to use Shaw TV's professional equipment 
and their studio, and they do real life um, broadcasting there. So, and they'll get trained as as uh, either in front of the camera or behind the camera. They get all those skills. And hopefully that'll get them uh, ready for good practical skills. Anyways, get them ready for post-secondary in in that area. So that so that's the drive program. And, and the reason why it's a, such a unique program is because um, the students actually will go to um, a professional setting to to do their uh, to do their their education. And uh, it's again, it's a it's a great example of of um, just learning beyond the classroom walls. Um, like the CIA program. Any others? Well, um, I mean, we have we have a forestry program um, that uh, that's available for grade eleven and twelves. Um, the forestry program really takes a look at just many career paths in the forest industry, um, from accounting to harvesting to silviculture. Um, it it'll the students will learn the skills. Um, necessary to uh, get into the those different uh, career paths in the forest industry. So it's a, a great immersive um, program for students. That's and that's happening right now in this in this uh, quarter. Um, and the cool thing about that program is that they have their own bus. Um, when we created that that program years ago, we determined that one of the biggest challenges. Um, for this program is is the lack of transportation because um, the one of the givens that we wanted to have in this program was for students to really take their education outside of, of the classroom again so there's there's a theme of uh, learning beyond the classroom walls and so um, the facilitator um, am I allowed to say his name Jason Kerlick um, he he worked really hard to, to get uh, to get the 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 forestry bus, um, and then and then that allowed him to take to use uh, you know the, the the forest as a classroom, and and the work site out there as a classroom. So it was fantastic. Well, that's amazing. And then it, I remember at one point you telling me about a program. I don't know if it's still running that involved sailing. Does that still run? Uh, it's not running anymore. Um, the teacher. That uh, that was heading that program retired, so that's why the program's not uh, running anymore. But that was a, again, that was a fantastic out of the box um, program, um, and you know, just when that program happened a few years ago, I remember we were we went down to Victoria and Duncan and Nanaimo to do a whole bunch of research, just so that uh, we could have all our ducks lined up for this program, and it really was one of the first programs that, out-of-the-box programs, that really took on online programming and online education. And, uh, and so that was, back then, that was a, vi- that was a very new concept, um, and, and that was a very um, courageous step for, for our school district to take, and it paid off because uh, it, it was a great program, and, and, but now it's not running, of course. So. Well, I like, I mean, it seems like it, it served its thing, which was to bring us to a place where all these other responsive programs could could be born. Um, and yeah, so uh, I, I, you know, I, and I love that idea that that little old Campbell River School District is actually able to um, to be an innovator. And that's one of the things that I wanted your 
thinking on, um, which is basically about, you know, the big idea of education. And it seems to me that what we are realizing its potential to be is really growing that you know this idea of out of the box education is not such a weird thing anymore where 20 years ago it might have been and even this idea of how do you start do creating hybrid type programs mm -hmm. where you don't just leave kids alone on computers all day but where you're using resources that might be made available through the internet or long distance and using the potential of being in a place or being with mentors that aren't necessarily um, the same as their teacher that they have a, another kind of bond with, et cetera. So I'm wondering what your vision is around um, the, the role and the potential of education right now. Um, let's see, before I answer that, um, and I, I hope that I don't get lost in my answer, um, Part of my, I'm, I'm very fortunate in my career path that um, I think it was about 26 years ago that that um, my previous principal, anyways, uh, when I grew up in Port Hardy and then then I graduated there and then taught there for 14 years. But my principal, my my second principal there, offered me um, a program to teach, which was career education. And in that program, um, right away, I learned that. Um, there are other teachers um, out there that don't teach in in the classroom. So, in other words, um, to use teachers, mentors, facilitators outside of the classroom. And in the context of what I was doing 26 years ago, um, it was through work experience, and to re to realize that um, that your boss is a teacher, um, your coworker as a teacher um, and a mentor. So to capture that and to relay that down to the student to say, you can yes, you can learn from us teachers in your school, from me, I'm your teacher um, in this class, but to learn from your mentors and your boss and, and other people out there, whether they're adults or peers, um, that was a really important concept and a mindset for me. So um, bring it back to the, to this time um, in education, I believe that, you know, if we bring learning to life, if we use, um, again, the the outside, outside of our walls as a classroom, as well as inside the, the walls of our schools as a classroom, if we use the outside walls, um, outside of our walls, our environment, our resources, um, use that as a classroom, and also the resources of people, um, the experts out there, the subject matter experts, um, then they, our, our students will benefit greatly from that. And if we include that in our planning, um, if we have that in our mindset and when we're trying to outline education, um, educational opportunities and options for students, if we also include um, the people outside of our, our walls, um, the, if we include the community, then, then I think the experience will be richer. Um, and we all know that, uh, you know, we learned a, a whole lot um, after high school. And why? Because, because we now travel outside of high school, our experience are outside of high school, and then, then that opens up our eyes um, to new opportunities and new options. And my mindset is, and my question when I realized that was, 
um, why don't we do that during school? Why don't we, why don't we adopt that? And why can't we provide that um, for our students? So um, th- that thought really drives me um, when I try to figure out, um, when I try to help students problem solve what their next best step is. Uh, well, I really appreciate that. And, you know, in the working on thinking about this program, I've been remembering a lot um, about what it was like or what I felt like often when I was in high school. And, you know, I was not as worldly as I am now or as experienced. But I remember that sense of, but I was still me, right? Which Mm -hmm. is enthusiastic, smart, connected, wanting to do things and make a difference. And I remember just thinking, what a strange world we have. I had a high school with almost 3,000 people in it. Mm -hmm. 3,000 people who went during some of the most vital physical years of their life and sat in desks all day. And I, and like, not only did we have no way to kind of influence or take responsibility for the bigger world, but we had no way to even influence the things that theoretically we ought to have been influencing, such as what we were learning, how we were learning, when we were learning it, what we were eating in the cafeteria, what, like, you know, all all these things that you think, well, who, who actually is more equipped to you know be part of that than than students and i just i remember thinking then like wow what a weird world that we've created that we've just cut off a whole segment of our of our society and said mm-hmm. we're just going to put you over here and and you have you like you are not essential to the working of of our culture even though for years and years of our culture, you were already starting families, fighting wars, like working on the farm, Mm -hmm. you know, beginning businesses, like you were living and essential to the life of the community. Um, Yeah, so I I appreciate you saying that, right? Like the idea, like, do, you know, and, you know, do we need to really just sit within this idea that high school age people are somehow not um equipped to <laughs> like to be dealing with or to give something to the to the rest of the world um yeah so i don't know and what like what <laughs> do you feel like that when you see um young people today are they waking up to their essentialness like or or do are they um, asleep to it? Do you know, do you know? I don't know how to say that, but no, I, I, <laughs> I think I know what you're you're uh, asking. Um, oftentimes, and we do this. I'm a, I'm a parent um, as well. I have I've raised three boys and, and continue to raise them, <laughs> uh, but uh, and happily do so. Um, but um, you know, oftentimes, um, us parents. Adults, um, relatives, mentors, we often are really good at telling our kids what to think, right? And that's our way of guiding. Um, however, this was a few years back, and, and, and I, I must credit um, one of my colleagues um, that 
taught me a lot whenever we whenever we talk. Um, his name's Donnie Fitzpatrick, and uh, he's my colleague at, over at Cary High, and we've had some great conversations and, and trying to formulate, trying to really, really uh, great professional development because each each time we we are really talking about how how can we better relate um, to kids to youth and how can we better teach how can we better 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 um and and we figured that and he taught me and and through our conversation um that we need to do a better job and when we say we uh, we didn't really talk about education in general it's just he and i um again through our professional development we need to do a better job not only what we should say um to our to our students um, regarding options and opportunities, um, but we we need to do a better job at just teaching them skills on how to think, how to navigate their today, because it's and in in Donnie's terms, um, it's it's the human. We we do a really good job of the human doing part. Um, of of their existence, he, the human doing just means what they're going to do in their future. We can outline their options. We can go on the internet. We can Google this. We can tell them what subjects that they uh, they can take for credits for entrance to whatever program, um, um, what application that they have to fill out. All those kinds of things that that deals with the human doing part, but the human being part is who they are who they are right now, who they are today, and do they know, even know how to navigate their today? We, we can all think back when we were teenagers, and I couldn't figure out, uh, personally, I couldn't figure out what type of lunch I want, right? And so I needed to be taught that. I, need to, I, need, I needed to be taught um, the how to think part. What are the processes? Um, I'm not saying that we have to, you know, theoretically go go about doing that but it's the one of those i think it's just one of those things that we just take for granted as as adults to go well we figured it out and so and we figured it out through trial and error um so the kids are going to do that well th- there is a process um and and if we if we can give them hints and skills to figure out their today then they're better equipped with making a better decision for themselves for their next best step because how can we, how can we expect them to make a really good decision for their next best step if they don't know their today? I love that human being versus human doing, and I, you know, I look at my own life and how um, I can struggle with the very that very thing still to this day. And you know, when I think back to um, the beginning of Folk University and why. Um, you know, sitting around with with Monica uh, Markovici and uh, um, Narwaki, who lives on this island, and thinking about that and what what a folk the idea of learning as something we engage in for a lifetime that's something that is essential to our very being, mm-hmm. and um, right, and that didn't just end um, because we left school. Uh, and I thought about um, you know, some of these same ideas and how Cortez is not the only place in the world, but whoa, you come here and what a campus for the awake, curious mind 
of any age, right? Like it is a place where, mm. I mean, one, there's all these really traditionally smart people, right? Like I, through Folk University, I've gotten to meet a lot of them. There's the PhD in archaeology, the PhD um, in, uh, in biology, the PhD in, uh, in uh, physics, right? Like all, you know, th- they all live within a couple blocks of each other. They've all come onto the show. There's the naturalist, the scientist, the, um, the, the, Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, there's, you know, the founder of Greenpeace, there's, you know, all these sort of classically smart people. And then there's these every bit as smart, engaged people who happen to just be, you know, be expressing that through growing amazing organic food or working on um, agriculture or they've negotiated some of the most amazing treaties Mm. or they're one of the last um, fluent speakers of a dying language and they're bringing it back and they all live here um, and what you know so it gets me really excited um, and yeah, not just this we have all these amazing organizations here these organizations mm. that may you know often we feel very bare-boned on this island like oh no like we can bear you know we can't even <laughs> afford, afford one full-time employee but there's this collection of incredible naturalists. Um, we have Friends of Cortez Island bringing all this incredible science. We have incredible science equipment mm. here on the island. We have uh, scientists. We have Hakai Institute with world-famous scientists coming here to these tiny little islands from all wow. over the world, right? And I just think, like, this is amazing. We ha- we ha- what we have here is a campus for the curious. Um, and so I'm going to talk in a little bit about some of the, like, the the things are also that are needs but just for a moment to be like we have the most amazing campus for the curious i am so excited that we're at a place in education where we can provide access to this not just for the kids who are lucky enough to to live here which they don't always feel so lucky when they're teenagers (laughs) um but for for kids from so many other places uh, so can you talk a little bit about this, about the CIA and this program and what you think is around the potential of bringing, you know, students here? <laughs> right. Right. I mean, Matta, you're completely right. I mean, this is this is this is a perfect storm for for education, um, for us to really um, feature what what opportunities um, we can offer here. And it's it's a great opportunity. Um, but no, sorry, there's no but. We're we're trying to attract students um, and organizations from all over the world. So we've worked with our international students um, education program and and our department there, and we're trying to attract international students to come over here and take advantage of this. So um, I think it's going to be a very popular program for for international students. Um, because it's it's just an enrichment type of program which they crave, um, and they they vision when they vision Canada and when they they vision um, BC and Vancouver Island especially, and then Cortez Island, Campbell River, North Island. Um, this is what they want. They they want to study um, from the environment, from the resources. Um, and so when we can when we can outline to them and we can market and av- advertise that these are the kinds of things that that they are able to take advantage of 
it's going to be really popular. So so we're excited to to uh, to market to our international education friends from around the world, um, and we're excited to have students potentially coming over here to to learn in the CIA program. But we're also excited to um, attract students from neighboring islands um, and especially um, students from from our region, um, Cortez, Quadra, Campbell River. Um, students from our school district, I'm, I'm very excited to uh, market to them to see if they want to take advantage of, of what we have here. Because, you know what, um, understandably so, teenagers, youth, adults, we um, often take, take for granted what we have here until we shake our head and, and go, wow, and to learn to appreciate our moment and, and when we appreciate our moment, we look around, we go, boy, this is a beautiful place. And then you put that in, into context of education, and you go, wow, this is a great place to learn. You go out kayaking, wow, this is a great place to learn, right? That's your classroom. Can you imagine the ocean as your classroom? Can you imagine the forest as your classroom? Can you imagine um, 30 feet down from sea level, in the ocean is your classroom. I mean, that's just, when I think about that, it brings shivers to me. It brings chills because um, it's just what a great way um, to learn. And yes, you might have to learn in a classroom, but um, one of the givens um, in our in the CIA program is place-based learning, right? You learn from the resources. You learn from the environment. You learn what the environment is telling you and giving you and you appreciate that and you go how can i continue to be part of this environment by learning about it and making it flourish so i mean outside the classroom walls is again one of one of the givens of the cia and when we tell the world potentially when we tell our region and the world um this program is i'm excited i 10 years from now i'm excited for this program because i I'm thinking that it will be a big success. I think so too. And I, I like what you were just saying and makes it's sending me back to what you were saying also earlier about how hard it is as an adult not to tell kids what they should think. And, you know, this is really, <laughs> I think, you know, true too when um, I find with my own children when I am like, but you should love where you live. Like you have, you're so lucky. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, kind of early on having an interview with a, uh, a with a, a young adult now who grew up here mm. um, on Cortez. And one of the things he said to to me about why he was excited about this program. So it was an interview, just trying to glean knowledge from him about you know like pros and cons and you know what to think about um as we're designing the cia and he said oh you know one of the things that is going to be so amazing about this program is that as a young person who grew up on the island i didn't really appreciate how unique how special all that i had um in this experience when I lived there until I was older and I came 
back with friends. I mean, you know, this guy's like in his twenty; mm-hmm. he's like twenty-one or something, right? So he wasn't a lot older. <laughs> but he, you know, a, as he came back here with friends from uh, from university or friends, even like high school friends who didn't live here but came with him here, he said, seeing it through their eyes. I started realizing what was so special. And so being able to do something where you bring outsiders Mm -hmm. who get to come and see this with fresh eyes and what it's going to do for kids who live here to be able to see this thing that they've, in many cases, been taking for granted, the campus of Cortez, Mm -hmm. with outside eyes. He said, that that's a huge gift. Uh, So I liked that. I liked that a lot. you know, when I think about having international students, when I think, mm-hmm. when I just think like about, you know, kids in Campbell River who who don't have that kind of outdoor living experience, I think, oh wow, this like it's fresh eyes. It, but is that true? Like, are there kids in Campbell River who this would be really different and fresh for, and and would would like find this to be uh, an unusual experience? I'm hoping. Um, we're we're just starting the marketing phase of this program, and so um, and we're we're going through the course selection um, process at the high schools right now. Uh, so uh, I know that uh, it's, it's it's available to them to sign up, and so uh, I mean this process just started. So I'll tell you in about two or three weeks. Um, and I'll have I'll have meetings um, at the high schools in in uh, Campbell River to see if um, if see if students are are interested and how many students are interested. So cross our fingers that um, that we're going to uh, attract local students in the region. But again, it's 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 early in the process and there's much to do. So I'm excited though. I'm excited to uh, really get the get the word out there now that we've we've almost built it. Right, so we just need to get get the students uh, excited about it, and we tell the students, and they come, and and we carry it out. I imagine once we once we have the first, you know, like it's always easier as it builds. It's like any new business, right? <laughs> like mm-hmm. We got to get some kids to be our ambassadors, so we got to get people experiencing it, and then um, eventually it'll sell itself. So, um, okay, we've got a lot more of show to go. We're going to take a little bit of a music break, um, and when we come back, we're going to hear a little bit more about. Uh, the different courses, uh, what they're going to look like, um, etc. And we'll have a couple of facilitators coming in. Uh, you as well can call a neighbor to 2250-935-0200 and ask your questions. Um, so during the music breaks, please do call in if you would like to hear more about particular aspects of the Cortez Island Academy. Thank you for listening to Folk U Radio on CKTZ, Cortez Community Radio, 89.5 FM. School bell ringing, it's back to school again. Now it's ABC, one, two, three, tic-tac-toe, and it's all in a row. Now it's a one, two, buckle my shoe, three, Four, shut the door. Five, six, pick up sticks. Seven, eight, and then you lay them straight. Nine, ten, back to school again. I want to three, four, five. I call that bird alive. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It flew away again. We will winkle round through the town. Upstairs and downstairs, in or night down. Wrapping up. 
the windows trying to lock All your children in bed, it's eight o'clock So run, 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 free paper bun And it's back to school again Back to start ABC to be at the university Eeny, meeny, miny, moe Here's a message on your radio Now go to school and learn the rule And don't you be no fool Those who don't know about politics You gotta know some social study As busy as a bee, as cunning as a fox, as happy as a lark. Remember to do your homework and don't you do it in the park. Having popcorn, Lucy and soda popping gonna put you at the top. You got to work hard to reach your goal and don't you ever stop. Fly butterfly, you can make it if you try, don't waste your time away. Now it's hickory, hickory dark, Ben ran up the clock. Clock struck nine, oh it's bedtime. Tomorrow is school again. Children, children, enjoy your holidays all together now. Two little birdies sitting on a wall. One named Peter, one named Paul. Fly away, Peter, fly away, Paul. Come back, Peter, come back, Paul. So la di do it's all in a row. Mean a mean a mind a more. Here's a message on the radio. Back to school again. Said it's back to school again. Mean a mean a mind a more. Here's a message on your radio. Do re mi fa so la di do You're listening to Folk U Radio here on CKTZ, Cortez Community Radio, 89.5 M. FM. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, or on the web, Cortez Island, CortezRadio.ca. Wow. Whoa. I'm doing too much talking today, clearly. We are talking about the Cortez Island Academy um, in the first part of the show. We talked a little bit more about the the thinking behind the Cortez Island Academy and and, uh, and why and why now and why here. And now we're going to talk a little bit more about the curriculum and what's actually going to be offered next year. We are joined in the studio now by Mark Vanesh, who is going to be one of the facilitators or his um, program, Real Youth, is going to be one of the facilitators in the winter session. So I thought before we kind of got into it, Mark, I would just do a little overview um, of how the courses are laid out and then and then you'd go crazy. Sure, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> so... Um, so it's a, it's sort of an interesting layout the way that we're doing it, um, and it's made possible because the uh, the Campbell River High School has now gone to this quarter system, uh, and I like that idea. Sort of ten weeks, um, and the way they do it there is you take two classes at a time for ten weeks, and it's all of a sudden opened up then how we relate as this little new you know, Cortez offsite campus to that experience. So what we've laid out next year then are these two 
10 week sections. Um, and the session, the section that you're uh, part of is the Elevating Youth Voices. And this is the winter session. And you, in fact, are taking kids through which is basically a five week or four and a half week um, block that is going to do the magic of real youth in five intense um, weeks of of learning the basics of film but also a lot more so i thought maybe you could tell us a little bit more sure. about who real youth is because some people still believe it or not do not know what your view of education is and then how you're going to be bringing it to these high school students. Sure. Thanks, Amanda. Um, so my name is Mark Vanesh. I'm the uh, director of Real Youth. We're a charitable project of Make Way Charitable Society. And our mission is to support communities to make films about issues they care about. That's sort of our mission in a sentence. Bigger picture is we use filmmaking as a way to give young people technical skill building, communication, storytelling skills, um, and also leadership development skills. I often tell young people when they're in a program with us that if you can tell a good story, if you can, um, yeah, if you can tell a good story, you're going to be able to convince your boss to give you a raise. If you can tell a good story, you're going to be able to convince your dad to borrow the truck on Friday night. And whether you end up in filmmaking or not, being able to tell a story and being able to have those skills in addition to whatever other skills you have when you walk into a job, uh, being able to, to, to use digital media to, to support a business or whoever you end up working with is going to be a valuable asset for you. So we sort of look at filmmaking as, yes, the art of filmmaking and storytelling, but it's like, what are the skills that we can imbue in participants that are going to leave them in a stronger place? And, you know, ideally walking away with, you know, stronger self-esteem, seeing themselves as leaders in the community, being feeling more confident to speak up about issues they care about, and then the technical skills to actually make some things. Uh, just love it um it's so exciting it's so compelling um i missed i think some of your questions there that's sort of like what real youth is what, what else no no that, that was <laughs> you did a good job um uh so now tell me a little bit about then what this is what it will actually look like what a day will look like and then at the end um what the because this is going to be very project-based, what the projects are going to be that are going to come out of this. Sure. So I love the idea of these intensive courses and education being done in an intensive way, course by course. I think it makes a lot more sense for youth, uh, young people, but I think people of all ages. They, if you're learning something, if you're trying something new, it's like great to like get in there and make that like your focus for 10 weeks at a time and you really walk away with probably a, a higher level of skills and, and it's nice to just have it done at 10 weeks and you move on to your next thing. Um, in our program, it's it's going to be very hands-on, and it's going to culminate in a film festival. It's going to happen at the hall. Um, fingers crossed for COVID, but um, that'll be the sort of final celebration for for the whole first um, pilot of this this program. Is we're going to be at the hall and and showcase all the films. But students are going to go through sort of. Uh, a process where they're going to be making three films. One is learning animation. So going through the process of like planning, shooting and editing their own animation film using plasticine or whatever else found objects um, around an issue that they care about, something that they want to see changed in the world. So the students are going to identify an issue um, and our facilitators, our team is going to help them plan a film and shoot and edit it. And then they're going to do a per personal narrative film, which involves writing um, about sort of about their personal story and their, their, where they live and, and their, their culture. Um, it's sort of like a video poem is the final product for that one. And then the, the, our, our 
program is going to culminate with a youth and elders documentary program, which a lot of people in Cortez might be familiar with because we've done it a few times here already, where young people are going to get matched up with an older person in the community, um, and they're going to learn documentary filmmaking skills as they shoot a, a short film uh, about them. So there's, depending on the number of students, we're going to end up with like a full program of films at the end that everybody's going to be able to to see, and the students are going to walk away with some media ten, media media studies ten, media studies eleven, or media studies twelve course credit. Um, and now I'm going to do something that's like really strange. So, but I like strange. Yeah, but you're so good. <laughs> so, um, right now I'm the one who has been kind of working to facilitate the the other five weeks. That's part of this elevating youth voices section, um, and my part of that is. Uh, more around creating a podcast. So mm-hmm. some of the same ideas, um, but around what are the blocks of truth-telling is what we're calling it, creative tools for truth-telling with the idea of looking at oral history um, and how we have, through time, different cultures have told their truths, th- particularly orally, what those have looked like through time, what they look like now, some some written journalism aspect of it, and then uh, they'll create their own podcast. And I'm really lucky to have people like Odette um, Auger who's going to come in and do some decolonizing media uh, work and helping to do some allyship and editing kind of stuff. So Awesome. Um, but so one of the things I would like to know is what questions would you ask me um, about my section? Um, because I'm a lot less equipped uh, or have a lot less experience than you talking about it, but also in thinking about how to put that together. So putting you on the spot, okay. but I know you're good on the spot. Yeah, so. <laughs> so, so, so podcasting, I think most people listening have, have realized podcasting and podcasts are like a really huge media market nowadays and it's it's a it's a way that a lot of people um digest media so i guess one of my questions for you is um why why do you think this that that part of the course is important oh well i uh, for two reasons one i think that um being able to tell truths just like you said being able to tell your story compellingly is really important but i also think that i want to be able to help people to both um, think deeper about how we tell truths and how we are able to actually open up other people's minds to truths. And I think podcasting is a really interesting way that that is happening in the world right now because it's one of the only long forms of journalism we have left, right? So much of printed journalism these days, um, which I also have a bit of background in, has become really about 800 words or less. Um, and in many cases, way less than that, right? It's like a Facebook headline or it's a Twitter post um, versus podcasting some of our best um, and most, you know, ad- admired podcasters are doing podcasts routinely over two hours, not just Folky Radio. Um, and we have, so so this is one thing. I think podcasting is really important, but I also think it helps us to uh, get into thinking a little bit more creatively about how we consume our media and how we judge truths. Yeah, so I, I gotta, you know, you're saying the word truth a lot. Um, and, and for me, I'm like, you know, what what is truth? And and you know, in today's world, we're realizing that you know, truths can shift. And and what was was true last week might not be true this week. And what was you know culturally acceptable twenty years ago is is you know it, not anymore. Do, 
do you want to? I don't. May, this may not relate, but like, do you want to comment on like you know the, the the shifting ground of truth and what that might mean for someone? Yeah. So that is exactly one of the things that I want to be compelling in in this bit is this idea of who owns the truth, and I think that um, uh, you know a really um, kind of superficial way to talk about that is who has access to media and who is making the media. But then there's this deeper thing about how we prioritize different forms of truth depending on how they're presented and who's presenting them. So I think that is, so I don't have an answer for that, right? Like what is truth is something that um, uh, on one level, we hope that there are big truths that maybe stay consistent, but on the level that we're actually digesting it and the form of of journalism, podcasting, news, et cetera, that stuff is shifting fast, mm-hmm. right? So, um, and how do you engage young people in that conversation feels really complicated. And that's why I'm hoping that the world of podcasting gets to tie into this ancient, ancient tradition of sitting around a fire and telling our stories, which at the time were the truths, mm-hmm. um, orally to now something that much more feels like, you know, a radio show or a podcast that is about um, kind of journalistic topics. So so I think it's a big thing. And one of the aspects that we can take off is just looking at research and what makes good um, journalism happen and how do you interview people and then how do you put it all together in something that's compelling and probably, you know, 15 minutes or less. Uh, and we have the wonderful partnership of CKTZ. So we get to work with actual journalists and people producing podcasts today to to train them up. And you have a distributor. And we have a distributor. That's you know that's the one that I think the most important thing about it, making any kind of media is, uh, it's it's a lot of stuff gets made and a lot of a lot of stuff never gets seen or heard or, or read. Um, and having it's heard by people and seen by people is a big part of you know certainly for our process at Real Youth, having a young person get up in front of you know the, the Manson's Hall here and have you know hundred people in the crowd and and seeing their film be recognized and and celebrated and. It does something for the the producer and the maker of that that piece of media that it can be just as powerful as what the media was. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up, and that is a big part of it. And that's one of the things that's so magic, I think, through the Cortez Island Academy and this campus, Cortez campus experience, is that we have real youth, right? They're going to make films, and not only is it going to be seen here, but it's going to be part of the real youth um, kind of collection and going out there. And we have CKTZ, um, the podcasts that they're produced are not only going to be here on the radio station and that folk played on the air here, um, but they are also going to be part then of these um, some of them of these different nonprofits, maybe even Hackai Institute, et cetera, that have these huge viewerships and listenerships. And I'm just curious. I'm I'm curious to hear what kids are thinking about how what they're able to produce and how they grapple with these big issues of telling their own stories, other people's stories, and um, and how their thinking changes around even the issues that matter to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it it varies depending on who the young person is. You know, some of our programs, a young person might be you know very open and willing to to talk about their history and their their family story or their personal experiences, and other youth are not. And um, I think no matter where a young person's at, it's important for educators to meet them wherever they're at. And um, so I think you know both for the podcasting and for for real youth, it's the facilitators need to be aware of who's in the room, um, what their needs are, 
um, and really set people up for success. So they're not re-traumatizing themselves by telling a story that was, you know, is their truth, but it was also like, you know, a, a really challenging thing for them. They're not ready to talk about, but so it's, it's, it's an interesting thing being an educator in media production because, you know, he's, a youth makes a film and it's out on the internet for the rest of their lives. <clears throat> or they make a podcast and it goes out and who knows who's going to hear it. And, and part of our education is, is talking about that the distribution process and what it means to release something. And, and in the editing process, thinking about who the audience is and how it's going to land. And are you, you know, are you ready to release this? And that's, that's, that's part of the conversation <clears throat> and the confidence building too. I think that happens when, when people do share something that's difficult and it's true. We often tell youth that, you know, you telling the story, you're speaking up for, a lot of other people that that don't have that confidence or aren't able to share that story, and you sharing these you know these difficult things or these amazing things in your life, <clears throat> it you're you're speaking for other people and you're you know it's a type of healing. I love it. Uh, so if people now are listening to this and they um, you know are in the region and they're listening and they are like, oh my goodness, I want to be an elder or I want to be a community organization that is involved in this in some way. Can, can they do that? Can they still do that? Can they reach out to you? And if so, how? Yeah, it's Real Youth does, we did 20 programs last year. We make like about a, you know, 120 films every year. We've made 2000, over 2,000 films since we started. Uh, we're, Real Youth has produced a film every three days for the last five years. <clears throat> so we're just, it's, it's, when I say produce, we're facilitating the process. The youth, the youth are making the films, but um, we're doing a lot and we've sort of nailed down our program so that uh, youth are getting a really meaningful experience and then we're moving on to the next program and doing doing a lot of places all across Canada. <clears throat> and we're just so grateful to be able to do something on Cortez. We've done, you know, we do a program or two every year or so here and most of, most of the rest of our programs happen all across the country. And to be able to do something intensive like this and make it like a five-week program compared to, you know, our usual programs or a week or two, um, this is really going to allow us to take things to a deeper level and be more connected to mainstream education. We sort of sit outside of that as a as a charitable organization, even though we've done a lot of work in schools and, and <clears throat> we've delivered programs where young people get credits for being in them, being able to like step up and deliver something so intensive here and have parents know that their kids are getting an amazing education and that the youth are walking away super pumped. And, you know, even if they don't end up doing filmmaking or podcasting for the rest of their life they've got these skills they've got this experience they've got that confidence to to step into the next part of their lives and i also really love the idea of intergenerational work um you know for our program it's going to culminate with a youth and and an older person getting together those relationships are so important in today's society we're often boxed away less so on cortez but um those intergenerational connections are are really important i've worked with uh, you know troubled youth all over the place and and you, you put a young person who's like you know difficult or violent or um going through a lot you sit them down with an elder and suddenly they're like offering tea and being sweet and like listening and so there's something about something magic that happens when different generations get together um and then i also love the idea for for this for this this high school program we're doing on cortez is that it's not uh, all the grade 10s together or all the grade 11s together. It's that, you know, that bit of intergenerational happens there. And, you know, grade 12 students are going to play a leadership role with the grade 10 students. And grade 10 students are going to be able to look up to the older kids and they're going to be working together on projects, which I think is are skills that maybe mainstream education sometimes misses because once you get out into the workforce, you're going to be working with a 20-year-old intern. You're going to be working with a, you know, a 50-year-old. You're going to be working with someone who's just before they're retiring. And if you can't 
be a team member in that intergenerational context, you're not going to be as successful in life. And, and that's, that's really important for us. I love it. Thank you so much, Mark, for taking the time to talk a little bit about your part, um, the real use part in the Cortez Island Academy. You're listening to Folk U Radio here on CKTZ 89.5 FM cortezradio.ca we will be back after the music to go a little bit more into the fall session our oceans marine conservation leadership and stewardship Uh, we will also have an opportunity for you to call in and ask questions while you hear the music that's a great time to call 250-935-0200 Now it's A, B, C, one, two, three, tic-tac-toe, and it's all in a row. Now it's a one, two, buckle my shoe, three, four, shut the door. Five, six, pick up sticks, seven, eight, and then you lay them straight. Nine, ten, back to school again. A one, two, three, four, five, I call that bird alive. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, it flew away again. Around through the town, upstairs and downstairs, in or night down. Rapping at the windows, trying to rock. All your children in bed, it's eight o'clock. So run, 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 free paper bun, and it's back to school again. You've got to start ABC to be at the university. Any, any, mine or more. Here's a message on your radio now. Go to school and learn the rule, and don't you be no fool. Those who don't know about politics, you gotta know some social study. As busy as a bee, as cunning as a fox, as happy as a lark. Remember to do your homework and don't you do it in the park. Having popcorn, Lucy and soda popping gonna put you at the top. You got to work hard to reach your goal and don't you ever stop. Fly butterfly, you can make it if you try, don't waste your time away. Now it's hickory, hickory dark Ben ran up the clock The clock struck nine, oh it's bedtime Tomorrow is school again Children, children Enjoy your holidays all together now Two little birdies sitting on a wall One named Peter, one named Paul Fly away Peter, fly away Paul Come back Peter, come back Paul
You are listening to Folk U Radio here on CKTZ 89.5 FM, CortezRadio.ca. Today's show is all about the Cortez Island Academy, which is taking high school programming out of the box using the campus and the people of Cortez Island to do so. It's been an exciting show for me, so I hope so for you as well. So we are we now have another guest um, to join us. Uh, that is Savannah Young, and she's going to talk a little bit more with us about the fall session of the Cortez Island Academy, which is called Our Oceans, Marine Conservation Leadership and Stewardship. And this uh, section really focuses on science, uh, career education, uh, physical education, and getting kind of really out of the bo- uh, box and outside doing field trips. So the next the kind of winter session is a little bit more around uh, communication skills, English language, um, and writing, and, and 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 being able to speak and make films. So this is much more science based. Um, and Savannah, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, my radio debut. <laughs> Yay! I've been trying to get Savannah on the radio for a number of things for a really long time. So this is a big moment of celebration for me. I'm jumping up and down. Um, and the reason I keep trying to get Savannah is because she she will not like this title, but she's quite the um, expert on seaweed. Um, <laughs> and so whenever I have anything <laughs> marine related, I ask her, but um, particularly related to different forms of seaweed, etc. Um, and so tell us a little bit. So, so you're going to be leading the... Um, uh, second five-week part of that 10-week Our Oceans um, quarter. I am. Tell us a little bit about what the focus is going to be of that. So the second five weeks of that 10-week block is a marine science course. Um, we're going to be focusing on fulfilling um, grade 10 science requirements um, and then also bringing in some environmental science for grade 11 and 12, hopefully. Um, but the goal is to just be able to like learn from the place we live in, um, and learn from the ocean because it has so much to offer. Um, we're going to be spending a load of time outside. And then also once we get kind of this science base, we're going to go on to talk to people who spend their lives in and on the ocean, like aquaculture, um, folks, people who work in marine management, people, um, who, yeah, make a living off of marine resources, um, and then also pretty much everyone else who relies on it and loves it. Um, So it's going to be an opportunity for students to um, really explore science through, like, the platform of of the marine world, um, and then also connect with everyone who uses it and utilizes it on Cortez. So, yeah, that's kind of an overview. And that is a course that's coming after the first five-week course, which is a more um, outdoor education, um, leadership, physical education course that's going to be run um, by Kai Harvey and Cortez Kayaks. Um, So it'll be a great um, lead-up to my course. I think they'll merge together super well. Um, They're all about just getting kids outside, learning from the environment, um, and yeah. 
Jeff, when he was talking about this um, at the first part of the show, kept using this uh, phrase of place-based learning. And what I like about uh, your this 10-week course that you're part of designing and leading is the way that it takes this idea of place-based and it's absolutely doing it, right? It's getting youth into this place and learning about the 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 ecology that is unique to here um, both on the ground and in the ocean but it's also doing this other bit of place-based learning which is it's really using the people who this is their lives um, who know the history who are telling the stories who are who are running the aquaculture businesses who are running working with seaweed um, who are who you know like Kai who are guiding people through this area um, it, and that that's to me is like so exciting because it's not just this is the backdrop um uh but this is also is truly place-based learning uh and i'm wondering if you can tell me about some of the organizations that um are also helping to lend their 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 know-how yeah totally um i think something that's really interesting about that you just said about this place-based learning is um, like students will learn from place, but inherently um, when we're learning from place, we're seeing how people are interacting with like science. I think learning about science in a classroom, it often is really disconnected from people. But when you're learning about it in the environment, you see that like science informs real like lives and livelihoods and, and the way that oceans are managed. And I don't think that's something that I recognized until I was in college courses um, and university courses. We didn't really talk about that in high school, so that's really cool. Um, and part of that is um, connecting with us experts who are scientists, but also like who really contribute to um, like community planning and marine planning. And one of the organizations we're going to be working with is Hackeye. Um, which I think a lot of people around here are super familiar with because they do such awesome work and um, citizen science, which is really cool. Um, so we're going to have um, experts from Hackeye join us. We're going to do um, different like monitoring projects and kind of hop on with projects that they already have going. Um, we're partnering with Foci because we have so many amazing people and resources on Cortez, um, like biologists and naturalists and um, lots of people who are super excited to share their nerdy passions about <laughs> the ocean. Um, so Hakai and Foci and who else? We have some other partner people or just general Cortez community members who are seem to be super willing to step up. Um, I'm super excited to talk to people in the aquaculture world um, and yeah. And you have a, an interesting background because I know you have done uh, quite a bit of outdoor education as a student yourself. I'm wondering about some of the programs that really stood out to you in that and what are the things that this program, either what you're leading or just the program as a whole can learn, um, from the, you know, the kind of highlights of things that you've done in the past. Yeah, um, so I went to Quest, in, which is a school in Squamish, um, and Quest is on the block program as well, um, which I really love because it gives you the opportunity to focus in on one thing. I think Mark was talking about this as well, like um, 
you're not thinking about anything else. You're not thinking about like a bunch of classes at one time. And also your teacher or facilitators also just thinking about this one really focused topic, um, which is a great way to learn. Um, and it also, because you're only taking one class, allows you to like really dive into more experiential learning. Um, so at Quest, which um, a great part of the block program was this, if I took a science course, we got to like go somewhere and um, like be outside and and um, bring what would be classroom learning into a, a place and learning from a place. Um, so yeah, I did a lot of like more outside-based classes at Quest, and then I also did a semester in Arizona all about the Grand Canyon, which we literally spent every single day outside, um, whether we were rafting or backpacking or just car camping. Um, it's like, it's such a beautiful way to learn from the people you're around, but also the environment you're in and really get a personal connection with a place. Um, and then I also did a um, few months of a course up in Haida Gwaii, which was amazing and beautiful, learning from a place and learning from people who are so connected to that place. Um, so yeah, for a lot of reasons, I believe that like outdoor education and experiential learning is like the most powerful form of education that we can possibly participate in or teach. And I think... Um, high schoolers aren't given the opportunity or agency enough to do those things. I think way too often we keep kids in classrooms <laughs> because it's extra work um, or it's scary or different to bring them outside. Um, but if I had had more experiential learning like that when I was in high school, I think I would have been much more engaged. And I know one of the things that uh, really influenced the Cortez Island Academy uh, that um, came from some of the ideas that Quest does uh, at the university level is that it's very project-based so that one of the ways that students, from my understanding, demonstrate their their knowledge, their learning through the time is through projects um, or participating or completing a meaningful project. So you can you talk a little bit about uh, your experience with project-based learning and what are some of the projects that might be coming out of your block or the 10-week time together? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, projects were a huge part of um, the Quest curriculum and group projects were a huge part of it, um, which is a really valuable way to learn how to work with people. Um, yeah, one of my project ideas for um, our class is um, building off some monitoring programs that already exist here on Cortez. I know FOCI does a lot of um, like citizen science and monitoring, and I want to give the high schoolers an opportunity to find something that they're super interested in with the natural world after they have a chance to kind of explore um, on their own a little bit and um, design and carry out for the short term a monitoring program that can maybe be then adopted into like FOCI's um, operations and be used as an ongoing citizen science project. Um, I have another thought on that, but I totally forget, so maybe I'll think of it in a second. <laughs> uh, it's, so, it's just so exciting, and I think that one of the things might, that they might be doing in the first five-week block, right, is leading their own 
um, trip. Like mm-hmm. the students are going to have to figure out how to guide and lead their own trip. So um, I like the way that those two blocks also play with each other, giving um, people a chance to kind of get to know this place better as part of their learning and then start using that knowledge to help create what might be a really lasting legacy of of understanding both monitoring and also participating in long-term conservation strategies because of these partnerships with local yeah. uh, individuals and organizations. Totally. And the other thing that I was thinking of um, was that often I felt in learning about science in the classroom is hard to connect what I was learning with, with the real world. And I want to facilitate... Um, just a better awareness of like how science interacts with the real world and decision making. So if kids get to design and implement their own monitoring program and then think about the ways that that monitoring program can influence like ocean management, um, I think that would just be like a really great connection for them to be able to make early on. I love it. Thank you so much for being here, for of being course. part of this innovative program for for Cortez uh, and our students. And I really appreciate it. Uh, and I would love to hear questions from you, neighbor. You may call in at 250-935-0200 because we are going to have a little bit more music. And then Jeff's going to come back. And then we're also going to l- hear a little bit more about the homestay options, uh, which is how we're going to make it possible for people to come from other places to uh, participate in this program. So thanks for tuning in.
You're listening to Folk U Radio here on CKTZ 89.5 FM, Cortez Community Radio, or on the web at cortezradio.ca. So all that school-themed music is because today on Folk U, we are talking about the Cortez Island Academy School District 72's pilot program here on Cortez Island. Uh, we have Jeff Lanteo back with us uh, in the studio to just sort of ask those last questions and do the final overview. Um, and what we've already heard about is a sort of amazing partnership that uh, I am overly enthusiastic about um, and how it fits into sort of the more modern view um, of education. And then we heard from some of our facilitators. So there's going to be a, a half year's worth of programming available for students both on Cortez and from throughout the district and including international students uh, that work with the district and to come and there there's going to be two 10-week quarter offerings so that's a semester worth of programming of which kids are encouraged to sign up for the whole thing but can just sign up for one 10-week or the other the first 10-week session, the fall session, is called Our Oceans, Marine Conservation, Leadership, and Stewardship. And it's got, just like it sounds, like a real marine focus. Um, and there will be outdoor education, leadership aspects, but also a lot of science uh, built into that, um, that quarter. <laughs> uh, that fall session and then the winter cell sh- session is called elevating youth voices and coming out of that kids are going to be learning communication skills they're going to uh, both um, soft and hard communication skills because at the end they're going to produce their own podcast and a number of films so um, it's pretty exciting uh, and the kids are going to be um, coming out with a whole bunch of credits, including English, science, uh, physical education, leadership, film studies, and maybe even more. Did I leave out anything super important there, um, Jeff? I, th- I think you, you covered it, Amanda, but um, I think what I, what we're, what I want to talk about next is our, our next steps, really, for, for, um, for the program. So, um, I mentioned earlier that uh, we're going through the the marketing piece now to, to let everybody know about the program, um, and in doing so in the schools, we're we're going through the course selection process um, in in all three high schools: uh, Rob Ron, Timberline, and and Carey High Secondary. So the students had a chance this week. Uh, to sign up for their courses for next year, and Cortez Island Academy is is one of the the choices that uh, they they have an option of signing up for uh, for next year. Um, so uh, hopefully after spring break, um, we'll have some names of students who um, are opting to to sign up for the um, program. Um, for those of you out there that are interested in in learning more information about it, we are going to um, have an information night um, on Cortez. I just don't know the dates yet, but uh, probably middle of April-ish um, to have an information night where where uh, the community can come in and, and ask questions, and then we'll we'll do a sign up um, process there too for the program. Um, we're right in the middle of creating an online registration um, process 
uh, on our website. So stay tuned for that because uh, we're we're right now. Um, I'm really trying to make make it up um, uh, so that uh, you can sign up on on uh, online uh, on our website, um, or you can contact me if you want more information. So would this be the time to give my email out? Yeah, give your email. You know, oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Jeff dot um, at sd72.bc.ca. So that's J E F F dot L O N T A Y A O at sd72.bc.ca. So please um, reach out to me and, and uh, ask me questions, and, and I'll try to answer them as best I can. And um, if you want to sign up um, and we don't have the process yet um, online, then uh, just let me know and, and I can send you a, just a paper copy or electronic copy and, and I can take your information and I can sign you up um, myself. And so people know there is a completely rogue CortezIslandAcademy.ca <laughs> website, uh, CortezIslandAcademy.ca, and you can uh, reach... At, um, Jeff and um, myself, and maybe at some point we'll even have a coordinator um, at info at cortezislandacademy.ca. So uh, that's an easy way to to check out. And already, I know there's already a couple people who have registered, and I want to um, emphasize that even if you are a homeschool student uh, on Cortez, if you've never been registered in the system, none of these things matter. This program is for you, for all students uh, in grades 9 through 12 um, who have you know, not just, I mean, if yes, definitely, if you are right now listening on Cortez, this is for you. You do not need to currently be registered um, into the program. Right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, or the school district. Yeah. Um, and okay, so we, we have a couple questions that came in um, okay. and before the show. Good job, listeners. I love when I get questions. So I think we've answered most of these, but I'm going to just ask them all, and then um, and and we can answer them. So if sure. people miss parts, they they have answers. Okay. And then again, if these are not your questions, there might be time for you still to answer to for you still to get answers today by calling in. But also, you can go to CortezIslandAcademy.ca, and there are a lot more details there. So the first question that uh, Shirley sent in, thank you, Shirley, is what grades will be included in this high school program? So the grades will be grade 9, 10, 11, and 12. Um, and will it, is the school part of the Provincial District 72? Yes, it is. Will the school follow BC grade level curriculum? Yes, yes, we, we, we have to. And so um, that's that's an important piece, and we're currently working on that piece right now with uh, the facilitators and school district mentors. So uh, so that's that's exciting. That's that's a really cool part of um, of offering something um, non traditional is try to bring it back to how does that um, how does that really um, being offered with the the BC school school curriculum. And not only that, but it's pretty exciting. I mean, I feel like we've done a really good job because. Um, this program is going to uh, provide, qu- like, not only 
um, now there's all these electives, right? So it's not just like physical education and, you know, the film studies or whatever, but it's also providing English credits for grade nine, for grade 10, for grade 11, um, a new, you know, a new media version of that for grades 12, um, science for all those different grades. So the facilitators working with the teachers are really going to a lot of trouble to ensure that it's its core curriculum being met and because it's sort of this out of the box intensive educational experience with a lot more learning hours than you would get in a traditional um, school the kids also I think if all goes well in half a year will be able to get three quarters a year worth of credits so this is a really big deal for Cortez Island students who maybe don't want to leave the island for a a year a a whole semester whatever they might not need to leave the island now or just do online learning for for very few remaining credits right Um, or maybe they want to graduate early um, and get you know maximum maximize their credits they can get in a year and this would be part of that too uh, that's my understanding. Do you think yeah. I've? Yeah, I, part of the givens in this in this program is individualized education. So what what we can do is really sit down with a student and see where they are as far as credits. If they were talking about credits and context, um, and then where they need to go and how many credits um, they they can potentially get from this program, and then what they have to do to get it. And so we can really individualize that kind of instruction and that kind of pathway for the students. So this is, uh, again, a fantastic program, and it's really a, a gift um, because we're not talking about hundreds and hundreds of students. Um, I mean, the, the, our, our magic number is really 15, um, but hopefully we can get more than 15 uh, to make this program run. Um, but so so it's, it's, I think, sitting down with... 15, 20, 25 students, it's not hard to really individualize their, their program. And it's just, it's just a gift that uh, we can do that for the students. Love it. Okay, so the next question is, will teachers be certified teachers? So this, that answer is a little bit complex. Yeah, um, the facilitator. We're 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 partnering we're partnering with facilitators, and uh, so there's going to be a school district seventy two teacher um, slash coordinator um, that will overlook that partnership. So the evaluation really will come from the school district teacher. So um, there will be a teacher attached to it. And then the next question: Is there a cost, uh, like tuition, to attending? There will not be a cost for tuition. Um, and will uh, and then where will the school be located? So this is also um, a little bit complicated, but I think the answer is that we'll probably be using um, one of the outbuildings at the elementary school. That's well, that's yet still to be determined. Um, hopefully, I'll have some time um, today. If not, um, next time I come to to look into that. Uh, but it hasn't been determined yet. But that's that's our want is is to have um, to use school district space um, and buildings to uh, to to house this academy. Um, and then the uh, other question is: Will there be a school bus? Yes. Yes. Um, again, logistics. Um, we still need to figure out, but we do. We were told that um, uh, we will have the use of a the school bus for transportation. 
And then the last question, I think we've done almost the whole show answering, so I think we probably don't need to answer this, but you tell me what you think. And that is, what kind of courses beyond the core curriculum will be offered? Um, I mean, the core cur- curriculum really is uh, socials, socials, science, math, English, um, phys ed. Uh, those are the core curriculums. Um, I know that uh, for, for the Cortez Island Academy, we're going to offer science, we're going to offer PE, leadership, English and video productions, um, and the English part is going to be English slash new media, um, and the new media is an English credit um, in the grades 10, 11, and 12, so depending on what we want to call it and and uh, and where it fits into the student's, again, program moving forward, um, then that's those are the the credits that we're looking at first and foremost. Um, we can add I, again. We're looking at uh, hours, so again, this is part of the logistics of what we have to do. Still, um, we can we can add work experience credits towards that. And I'm also looking into something called career life education, and just to see where that fits into um, this program. And uh, I would love to, and this just from a professional, personal, professional, um, back my background. Um, I would love to also include career life education um, into it because that that really again is is one of the the core curriculums, um, core subjects that uh, we have to give um, to our students. So if we can include that, then fantastic. Yeah, and I mean, boy, is this career life education? Yeah. <laughs> it seems to be right. Yeah, uh, working, you know, actually paired up with, uh, you know, scientists and um, and business owners and naturalists, etc. So, journalists and the rest. This has been really inspiring, and we still have more to go mm-hmm. because now we're going to talk um, a bit about homestays and how this relates to the program. Uh, and <laughs> I feel like we we have done. Am I doing too much self-congratulating? But I feel like we've done a really good job of covering a lot in a short period of time. Um, and again, if you are just tuning in or you have more questions, you can go to CortezIslandAcademy.ca uh, and learn a lot more as well as get linked in then to the school district and reach out. Because what I hope is that you're actually regi- ready to register your kid. But you might also wondering if there's other ways for you to be involved, and there are. We've already gotten um, uh, people from the community who hadn't heard about it before saying, oh my gosh, you know, I'm a PhD in this, or I have expertise in this, and I want to be involved in, um, and that's the beauty of having uh, so many local mentors and facilitators is that we we can include you. Um, so we want to hear from you, and you can reach out at info at cortezislandacademy.ca. And now we're going to talk a little bit about homestay. Jeff, is there any last words of encouragement, um, uh, you know, advice, <laughs> et cetera? Well, you know what? One of the last things I want to say is, is this. Um, whenever we create a program, um, there's always a, a way for us to check or we want to we want a way to to check whether that program is good and in my experience every every time i'm involved in a program and the word gets out there it's usually the the feedback that we get is usually um i wish we had this when i was a kid and just that statement is is enough for us to go you know what yeah we're on the right track because with this cortez island academy i don't know how many people have have gone back to me um, whether educators or parents 
or just my peers and people just in the community that's saying, I wish we had that when I was a kid. Because it's the way we structured their learning um, is just fantastic. And, and if people wanted, if people look back in their youth and, and they reflect and say, why well, I wish I had that, I would, I would have taken that, we know we're on the right track. Well, thank you so much. I, 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 that it's totally how I feel. And I'm kind of maybe a little bit hearing the other side, which is all these amazing people, many of who are parents on Cortez, who have, you know, who left Cortez, many of them who left Cortez and never could find a way to come back, who for years have just been saying like, this is what we needed. This is what we wanted. We have we like, you know, the heartbreak of years and years and years of choosing between sending your kid away if you can afford to send them away, which is now something that more and more people cannot even do, or leaving yourself as a family or watching your kid, um, you know, drop out or struggle to finish their education at all. And the stories that I've been hearing and the people who just are like, it's just a dream. It's a dream that people have wanted and longed for and needed for so long. And it feels a little bit like a miracle. And it just would not have happened if it weren't for for you, uh, for the school district, for Jeremy saying, um, that's the superintendent saying, let's dream big. So thank you for taking a chance uh, on us. And yeah, and, and Rhonda is going to talk to us about how other people can also be involved um, uh, because part of what we're going to need if we're going to have kids coming from other places is a place for them to live. So um, we're looking for homestay families, and Rhonda is going to talk a little bit about that um, uh, with us. And the I think the basic idea of homestay is a home away from home, and Traditionally, this has happened in Campbell River with international students, but suddenly on our little island, it's going to be international students and the most non-international of international students, which is Campbell River students. And so welcome, Rhonda. Hi. Thank you for having me, Amanda. It's Thank wonderful. You. Thank you for doing this. I'm really, really excited. Yeah. Um, so yeah, will you t- what is a homestay program? What do people like should be people thinking about if they're thinking homestay? What's that? Yeah. So um a homestay program is sort of how it sounds. It's a living opportunity for a student to take part in an educational program um, away from their natural home. And we've been doing this in Campbell River for like the last 15 years as part of the school district. The international students program within SD72 has been welcoming students from uh, Japan, Taiwan, Germany, Italy, Spain, I mean, you name it, um, and, a f- and a few other countries that I've, I've missed. But um, we have been doing this, and it's it's a wonderful contribution to our community um, to bring kids from around the world who are excited to experience our way of life. So how that translates to here in Cortez is that um, we have so many students that want to come and see this part of the world and live here, and our program is actually full in Campbell River. Um, it's a very um, well-sought-out place to study and learn and live and it's very exciting for us to to see this developing on Cortez this opportunity for education because it means that we can offer more students an opportunity to come to this part of the world so so what we need for these kids is a place for them to live um, they need uh, 
somebody who has time in their life and some space in their home to offer them a room and um, a bed and the comforts of home and connection, um, you know, three meals a day plus snacks and supervision and um, yeah, and all of the things that you do in your life that are amazing and your energy and zest for life to share with them and, and include them in, in what you're doing. So that's why I'm here today. And I mean, we may need, I guess, like as many as 15 spaces for 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 people to come from elsewhere um so we need a lot of of families to decide they want to do homestay is this going to be a major financial burden for those families or is there some uh compensation 100 percent. there's compensation um yeah so so from the international perspective we're probably looking at about five students coming internationally but as was mentioned there will be students locally from the Campbell River area who would probably want to take part in this program as well so we'd be looking for homes for both um, and yes 100% there is compensation for having a, a having a student live with you um, this is not an income it is a reimbursement program so the um, rate of $900 a month is set to cover you know the costs of feeding and whatever transporting um, you know, just the cost of running the home and um, and covering those basic needs really for the student. Um, and then, you know, if there's more left over, then wonderful. But we we do not want to see homestays going um, out of pocket to to host a student. That's where the remuneration comes into place. Um, so that's from the international perspective. Um, yeah, it's um, it's. It's a blend, so the student is responsible for their own um, personal needs, so personal hygiene products, any sort of extracurricular equipment or um, books or study materials or whatever it is that they're going to do um, personally with their time and um, and what they need, that, that is covered out of their own pocket. So, uh, for example, um, if there's field trip expenses or program expenses, um, that would not come from homestay, that would come from the student themselves. Well, when I heard about this, I got really excited as I and and the people who interestingly have mentioned to me that they really want to do this um, uh, all have kids and particularly those who have older kids being a teenager on Cortez is very lonely. Um, and so the idea that there could be like built in teenagers <laughs> um, got got me excited. Um, and I've heard now from a couple other people who are like, oh, my teenager would actually stay here or be, you know, like, or my soon to be teenager will be so much like we need to have a homestay student. But that's I don't think is the first person that you thought of when you were thinking of homestay um, families. So can you give us sort of a range of what some of the homestay families actually often look like? Yeah, our homestay families are very, very diverse. Um, every home looks different. Every sense of family is different. And we really embrace that. Um, there's no one type of family. Um, even in Campbell River, we have everything from, say, a single parent whose children are grown, um, who has 
lots of room and time and love to give and experience. We have retirees who, you know, also find themselves with time and um, love to have someone to cook for, for example. We have young families um, with young children who are, you know, getting out every weekend and seeing the sights and, and would love to, you know, help raise their children with awareness of um, different languages and cultures without having to travel, for example. Um, teenagers with fam uh, or families with teenagers already there is a lovely combination as well. These students are now building relationships and friendships, um, not only in the school system, but to, to have a host sibling is a very special relationship. So we do see all kinds of shapes and sizes of families, and we encourage everyone to apply. Um, don't feel like there's a mold that you have to fit into. It's more about um, wanting the connection, being open, and um, really just wanting that experience of, of sharing the place that you love with someone else who's new to, new to the area. I know that my teenager, the first thing that she asked was, are, like, are they going to have to do chores too or are they not going to have to do chores? <laughs> She's like, yes. if they're coming and they're not doing any chores. <laughs> yeah. No, you should not have to run behind your student and do their and do extra chores because they do. No, we want them to have the full experience, to fully immerse into the family. They need to feel part of the family for their own sense of belonging, but also that's how families work, to be truly connected with each other they need their role and their space in the home so yeah we want to see these um, expectations and and routines develop for the student they're not um, a house guest they're not someone to be doted on they're not um, you know royalty <laughs> they are here to be part of what you do day to day so if chopping wood is something that goes on in your home as a chore then yes maybe with some guidance if they've never wielded an axe before <laughs> we want to make sure we set everyone up for success and help them safety is number one but yes like let's bring them into those day-to-day -day experiences um you know dishes whatever every home is different so we like to set our homestays up for success we give um some guidance on what is fair and expected but really you know you gotta you gotta fine-tune it to your own home's needs and and we encourage lots of communication early on setting expectations in the right place from the beginning helps everyone kind of adapt because it's it's a process to adapt um and it's not always smooth sailing all the way through. There's hiccups and bumps that come, but that's normal um, when we put people together who've never lived under the same roof before. So that's really like what my role is, is to be the coach and the guide and the sounding board for both the student and the homestay. I'm here to support and just just to be that listening ear if needed or to give some tips and tricks because I've learned a few things over the last few years doing this, you know. Um, quite a few students have gone through, you know, um, our office and it's and they're all different, but yet there is definitely similarities and patterns that we can learn from. Yeah. And uh, earlier we were even talking about some of the things that can be done outside of the, the academy experience mm -hmm. for the homestay and just the island youth to come together, ha do things together, have fun together. And I was just like, oh, it'd be so fun to get all like whoever wants to to come over for a weekend, like a camping weekend or something yes. that we host for, you know, a bigger group of, of um, homestay students here. So 
Yeah, it's wonderful. I think the homestay community, um, they're going through a shared experience. The students and the, and the host parents alike are going through an experience that's not like everyone else in the world. It's not like having your own child. It's not like a, a distant relative. It's very unique. And so I think the more opportunities where we can bring people together, whether it be Facebook pages, which work in Campbell River for some, um, or actual get-togethers, we like to, in Campbell River anyway, do a beach fire welcome in in September when everyone's arriving to mix and mingle. Um, but yeah, we like to get the students together as much as we can in Campbell River. Again, we do a sports night that happens usually throughout the year um, where sports leadership students open the gym and put on music and set up great games and they're getting a great experience to be leaders, but our students are getting this opportunity to be socializing and normalizing and chances for sharing stories, but also just having fun in in an environment where they, they get to just be who they are and, and not be trying to always fit in, right? Because they're coming from a completely different place and background and uh and it's nice for them to just kind of take that sigh of relief and be surrounded with others who are going through the same thing that they are so we have covered a lot of ground today about the cortez island academy and there's a number of ways that whoever you are listening can be involved in this most recent one is through homestay so if people are ready to learn more or even sign up how do they do that well, they can get a hold of me um, through email is an easy and direct way. So it's Rhonda.Taramura at sd72.bc.ca, which um, I can spell for you, <laughs> R-H-O-N-D-A dot T-E-R-A-M-U-R-A. Uh, we also have our website, study, um, study, oh, it's, I'm blanking, sorry. I might have it. Ah, it's new. A study in Campbell River? Mm. sd72bc.ca yeah. 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 backslash study yeah. in Campbell River. Yeah. I'm ready. Sorry, I didn't have anything in front of me. I'm prepared uh, for this you, at all. You, you've done a good <laughs> job. But my email is really the best way to get a hold of me because um, I'm on it constantly. So that's the best. And you can always reach out, uh, visit cortezislandacademy.ca or reach out via info at cortezislandacademy.ca or to me at you letter U at folk U F-O-L-K-U dot C-A and I will get you to Rhonda. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Great. <laughs> so I hope that